Landline. <laughs> Hello, Landline. Welcome back. I am your host, Alex McKay. On today's show, we have Cocktails with Giles, a reoccurring format we started last year on TalkForAliving.com, or at least we conceived of. Giles and I open a bottle of Pastis, a French aperitif, in honor of the victims of the terrorist attacks in Paris that happened the day before. In fact, the band you're hearing right now is the Eagles of Death Metal, the band that was playing at the concert hall the night of the attacks. This song is called I Want You So Hard. The music video is hilarious. Jack Black is in it. Dave Grohl is in it. These guys seem like fun L.A. musicians having a good time into their 40s and 50s. They've got a lot of great great connections in the music scene. And, I don't know, people were just trying to have a good time that night. Go out for a night on the town, see a great American rock band in Paris. Tale as old as time. So, Giles and I get into it and uh, have a good time discussing things. Of course, we don't come up with any solutions because I don't know if there are any. To hear other episodes, go to talkforaliving.com or go to soundcloud.com slash landlinepodcast. Give us a couple bucks on talkforliving.com so we can get better sound equipment for our callers. We're going to make these crystal clear landline calls. I'm not going to do this on a cell phone. That's not the point. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Landline. Hey. Is that better? Much better. Amazing. Hi, friend. Hey, Giles. What's going on? Not much, Alex. It's a long time no talk. It is. It's been months. It's been like six months, probably. It's been over six months. Oh, my God. How's life? Life is all right. Life is, uh, we're in that downtime period between Columbus Day and the snow falling, so we're just kind of taking it easy, getting projects done. How's a two-year-old? Uh, 18 months, 19 months in a couple of days. It's crazy. It's so much fun, though. He's, like, starting to talk and imitate and uh, copy the words you say. It's really, really funny. And does he have friends? Are there any – I know that there's only about 75 people that live within 100 miles of you. <laughs> uh, there are – there was actually, like, a boom of babies right around the time he was born. I want to say there were, like, eight or nine kids within three or four months. So we're just kind of getting him into, like, meeting those kids and things that are, like, uh, when you're with other parents and kind of having play dates and stuff. But he's just, you know, like, we take care of him all the time. So it's not a uh, – we don't put him in daycare. We don't have, like, that interaction that most people get because their kid is in daycare. And they meet the other parents. and So it's cool, though. Is that good or is that weird? Uh, I think it's fine. I don't think it's one way or the other. You know what I mean? Like – we have the ability to take care of our child full-time, so we do. Some people don't. Right. So in, in that sense, we take him out. He meets tons of people. He just happens to meet tons of adults. And then <laughs> he sees lots of kids. It's just a matter of when and for how long and stuff. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get to the drinking because in my experience with the wine, wine podcast, there's so much to say. But if we don't start drinking now, then we won't be drinking. So, right? Yep. So, so this this is a new podcast that Giles and I are doing. It's still landline, but it's gonna be cocktails with Giles. Cocktail hour? Well what yeah, what should we call it? Cocktail hour with Giles or just yeah, cocktails like, with Giles? Well, I mean, little... if we're going with an hour format, I think that's a good The the cocktail hour with Giles? There you go. So Giles, how long have you been a bartender at this point in your life? I've been bartending, oh man, the better part of fifteen years? 
14 years since I was 19, probably. Just turned 33, so yeah. 14 years of bartending. Yep, I've owned my own bar for seven years now. The owner and operator of Hostel Tevere. I think we got to come out of the closet. That's that's my new mantra in life. I'm going to start coming out of the closet with who I am and what I'm doing because this nice. whole, like, someone's going to pick me up along the wayside, it's not working so hot. All right. Are you trying to tell us something or are you just... Uh... <laughs> just that I'm doing a podcast, that I'm going to try to do a food TV show. Oh, nice. Um, so there's all kinds of things that I'm just going to start saying. I just put a donate button up on my podcast website so that I can try to get some better equipment. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna just go for it, and then if everyone hates me, then I'll I'll figure it out. But at least I, cool. I'll at least get to the point of realizing. Well, we'll talk more about that later. I'm sure. Okay, so we are. What are we drinking tonight, Giles? Today we're we drinking Pernod, um, and I could be pronouncing that wrong. My French pronunciation is terrible. Um, Pernod is a product of France. It is kind of almost like the national drink of France, and and I say that in the sense of it's a it's a pastis, and what pastises are are basically sugared liquors. Um, and you have all sorts of different stuff, um, but if you want to compare it to other things you might be more familiar with, it's like Sambuca, uh, which is Italian, or Ouzo, which is Greek. It's that kind of slippery, uh, very viscous, uh, chilled, you drink it with ice or over ice. Some people add water, some people add a little lemon. And uh, it's the drink you'll usually see if you're... Have you been to Paris? Have you been to Paris? I've been to Paris, but I think I was 17. I was with my parents and my sister. My sister was living there. I did drink, but I didn't go out and talk about liquor. Yeah, and it's so it's that drink that you'll see the old dude sitting at the cafe drinking. Excellent. Like similar to in Italy, when you walk into a, a random cafe and there's two old dudes drinking Campari out of those really tall, thin glasses. They've got like two ice cubes in it and a slice of orange or whatever. And, and you try it and you're like, holy shit, why would anybody drink this? You, gain a, you, you acquire a taste for it, I guess, after a while. But it's one of those bitter drinks that's just, ugh, I don't know. Whereas Pernod is much sweeter and, and it comes from the banning, basically, of absinthe in France, which I believe happened during the 1820s. And what happened was that they were like, hey, no more absinthe, because that shit makes you crazy. But you like what it tastes like, and you like and enjoy the product itself. So we'll just make a different version, uh, which is what Pernod is, or some, some of the, it's called Ricard as well. And you can drink that instead. And so that's kind of been the go-to uh, in French bars, bistros, for almost two centuries now. Okay, so two comments. Mm-hmm. One, I never like to disagree with a bartender. Actually, okay. that's, that's not true. I love disagreeing with bartenders. You do. You're very good at it, too. Um, but I'm not drinking Pernod tonight because I found Henri Bardouin at the mm. another pastis from Provence yep. that the proprietor of the fancy liquor store I went to in Newton, Massachusetts, said was just as good, if not better, and $17 cheaper. Ooh, there you go. Well, so, that's not important. I don't know. It was right. Oh, it was next door. Not only was it a cheaper, but it was overpackaged in a box with one of those crappy uh, speed pourers. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's a whole topic for a podcast right there. Why are we? Con- it, what is it? Nineteen eighty-eight. We're still overpackaging things. Well, in the day and age where we all know that every waste, bit of plastic waste is good, right? Waste makes uh, makes money somehow in a whole bunch of ways. <laughs> So I'm drinking Henri Bardouin or Bardouin or Bardouin. How do you pronounce it? Bardouin. And, exactly. My and the French reason therapy. we're drinking uh, French, um, it's a digestif, but we're drinking it before dinner, is yep. because the terrorist attacks in Paris happened yesterday, and I want to talk about them, and I want to show some solidarity with the French, yep. and I wanted to drink something French. I thought that would be apropos. So... Um, so I'm going to open my bottle. Now, You just, are you at your bar, or did you just take the bottle from your bar? Well, uh, technically, no. I have uh, an entire collection of liquors that I've accumulated over the last <laughs> decade. That's, you know, scotches to weird liqueurs to really weird tequilas and just stuff that we've kind of had in our houses and, and have carried along with us. Got a bottle of Maker's Mark that's dipped in green and gold wax. That happened the year the Packers won, but 
you know, that's that's neither here nor there. Um, that's both so here I had, and I had there. this bottle downstairs with my stuff. It's an older bottle. Pernoda's one of those things you just don't drink a lot. I was going to say, you when was the last? And I, wanna, I don't want to say, like, in the right company, but kind of in the right company because it's not like it's super expensive or anything. It's just one of those, it's acquired taste. It's, it's bright yellow. Um, it almost looks like if you're drinking uh, lemon lime Gatorade but from the powder, and you can make it really thick. It's kind of like that. So, um, when was the last time you had a glass? Probably when I was in Paris on my honeymoon. Amazing. Okay, so I have the, you know those new ice cube trays, the floppy rubber ones that have the yeah, giant... Yeah, the Ikea ones. Yeah, the Ikea ice cube trays. That's what we've got, like every other 28 to 35-year-old person who went to college. And I'm wondering, at in the application of an ice cube that big, which is stylish but not necessarily always functional should i like jam it with a hammer or like an oyster shucker to break it up or do you think i should just pour it over the big cube i think you just pour it over big cubes usually you don't serve over two large cubes you know i unfortunately don't have a large cube maker so i just threw it over some rocks tossed it into a rocks glass with some water and here's bottoms up all right um brief i gotta get one more rock hold on brief right two seconds for anybody else who's listening, Pernod is tastes like Zambuca. It tastes like Ouzo. It tastes like absinthe if you've ever had absinthe. Uh, it just doesn't make you trip. Pernod is one of those drinks that is kind of nice. You water it down a little bit, throw it over some ice, and you're talking to yourself. On it. Well, I was just kind of filling in for anybody who may be listening about I'm... like what Pernod tastes like because it's good. Okay, it smells like licorice. Here, I'm gonna. It's an anise. It's an anise product. It's like all of those. All right, be quiet. I'm going to see if I can capture the um, sound. Pretty good. I'm pouring slow. I'm not drinking an entire mason jar. Don't worry. See how thick it is, though? Oh, cool. It has uh, viscosity. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, and there's. it's almost like I should have shaken it up. Yeah, you shake it up, but it's like when you shake me in Zambuca. It comes weird. All right, well, cheers. This is for Paris, right? We love the French. For, that's a, it's a tragic, that's a tragic event. And we're going to talk about it. So this is for you, France, Paris, everyone who loves Paris. and To all my friends in France and in Paris. And, uh, I'm, you know, one thing I'm glad for is that I know everybody that I know is safe. So cheers to them. And, uh, and to their food and beverage scene, the first in the world and probably the most important. So... Here you go. I'm having a sip. There you go. Woo! Okay. It's, um, I mean, it tastes good. It's super concentrated at the back end. It's, like, very specific at the end. Did Ta you put any water into it? No. Should I? You can. It thins it out. It makes it a little bit less uh, sticky going down. It tastes, coach you as much. tastes like fennel moonshine. There you go. I mean, that's a, that's a not horrible description. It's good, though. So um, let's talk about France. I think what we should plan on doing is just catching up with each other as we speak because sure. it will all come out. But so my, my story is this. I We went out to a dinner party last night. It was yep. the first, like, super – concentrated social event of my business school life i've not avoided them but we live in watertown a lot of the stuff is in boston or in wellesley and i'm yeah. tired and i've got a wife and socializing i love to do but on my own terms and big groups aren't one of them but we went to a dinner party at an apartment building in east cambridge there were probably a dozen people there we knew about the attack and had a little chat about it um and we, we, you know, we had some beers and we had a bunch of pizza and lasagna and I made a big salad and we had a good time and I had a few cocktails or glasses of wine, something, glasses of wine. And I said some things that I was embarrassed about this morning and that's going to um, be something we talk about at the middle or end of this podcast. But this morning I woke up and I was in a embarrassed mood because of my behavior last night and sort of being a little bit of a baby in bed and my wife nicely brought me a cup of coffee and an iPad to read the paper about France. Mm -hmm. So she went out to walk the dogs and I had this moment um, where I didn't have to get up and go anywhere, which is rare these days. And I was just reading the New York Times. I started reading the stories and I actually started crying. 
um, which I don't do often. But the thing that got me was France to me is the representation of freedom in a lot of ways. Paris becomes this place that people go to celebrate world culture and know for sure, for sure. In, and, and in, a, in a very unique way. Everyone goes to Paris and knows they are in a place that is maybe the most historic place on earth in a lot of ways. I mean, ways. other than Rome, Paris is like, yeah, Paris is the center of, has been the center of kind of arts and culture and, and literature for going on a hundred, gotta be a hundred plus years now. Oh, I mean, well, think about the Enlightenment for 400 years, for 500 yeah, yeah, years. Yeah, let's go back that far, exactly. There's, It's one of those cities that is much like Rome where it's just magical around every corner. And every every building has a story. Every street is named after somebody because they did something crazy. And I mean, like, crazy shit, like Joan of Arc crazy shit. Right, Napoleon. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, these are just, big names, greatest hits. Yeah, so. dude, I mean, the, the French were a superpower for off and on for ages. I mean, and they they did it well. Like, look at how French people live. They're comfortable and they eat good food. And yeah, there's a political struggle and whatever, but much like the rest of Europe, they get health care and they have education subsidy and they have all the good things about, you know, European kind of political system. But then they also have, like, a crazy backlash and a right-wing nationalist group and it's and they're allowed to. I mean, that's yeah, the core can, of my and argument. they can have a seat in government if enough people vote for them because they have a fucking representative democracy. It's a place where you can go colonize another, con- you know, another continent, basically, and then have people at home yelling at you about it. And yeah. that, I mean, that seems like I'm making a joke, but that's the thing. We can all do evil things as countries and as military powers, and we do. But countries like France are the place where people are arguing at the cafe, they're arguing at the town meeting or, you know, the local government meeting. People are standing up for what they believe in. They're questioning the philosophy of what's going on. They're questioning the philosophy of why they're on the earth. They're, you know, they're celebrating art and love and culture and sex and food and all this stuff that is really what enlightened humanity has become. Yes. And on a Friday night, at a concert and you know these guys come in and murder all these people and the question i was asking at the dinner last night which didn't go very far because everyone was fucked up and making bad jokes and it wasn't the place for it but why are we giving the people who we were mean to in high school the opportunity to get back at us like this and i don't it's not that i don't have empathy and it's not that i don't understand that these people who are becoming terrorists have something going on where they're from that is so bad that this is what they're deciding to do. They're like deciding to kill themselves in order to kill other people. But I just, I'm sort of confused as to how their power has become so great because they're well, having an impact. Get, let's get back to something real quick. Why, why were you embarrassed? Can I, can I ask that? <laughs> sure. So we want to just shift no, the con- I, I'm just interested in why you were embarrassed because if you're embarrassed because you said something that was inappropriate yeah one thing if, if you're embarrassed because you asked a question that made people feel uncomfortable no that's a totally different thing no it was so it was mostly men from the business school program and one woman from our business school program and everyone brought their significant others and if you don't want to say exactly what you said that's fine. no it's you, fine you I, I mean to comment or whatever I, no, don't, I don't care no this is what that's what i'm saying i'm coming out of the closet this is what's going to make good podcasts i'm exposing myself for who i am because ultimately yeah. i am a good person and so there's this girl that we a lot of us don't like in our class and okay. so it's become she's been the butt of a lot of jokes and you don't get that many opportunities to freak out and say inappropriate things at business school because everything is so measured and there's all my school is 61% international and there's all of this tolerance preach and it's great and diversity and these are things that are important and we're becoming professionals and you don't know the guy sitting next to you that is your classmate might have a hundred million dollars and be ready to invest in your company so so there's this one girl and these two guys that I'm buddies with that are sort of a little bit one's Israeli one's American and it's a little bit of a it's about as fratty as a business school that is as cultural as mine is gets. And they just make jokes. It's funny. They're making jokes about her. So as we're drinking, they're making a lot of suggestive sexual comments about her at this party. 
And a lot of them are happening in the kitchen where the three of us are screwing around. And it's just like, it'd be like if me and you are drinking and just making jokes that are like funny to us. And you get into that place where you start like making. Crossing the line maybe. Well, you're just trying to make the funnier joke, right? It's like, it's comedy except you're not comedians, but you think you are. But like every guy's had that experience. Yeah. And I'm sure every girl has too, so whatever. So it's fine. that's That's a human experience. That's universal. So we're doing that. And then at the dinner table, we finally all sit down and everyone's pretty loaded at that point. And... Um, they keep joking about it in front of the table and like this girl from our class is there and I really like her and she's smart and then all of our wives are sitting around and the wives are fine with it like they are girlfriends. They all are with us so they know we're idiots and they know that we're good people because they're feminists and we're with them. But ultimately they they make the jokes and I make this joke or I say like you guys, you got to stop. It's just not that funny. That's the thing. It's like you're on stage at MTV Spring Break in the middle of the day and nobody's paying attention like you're the worst comedy act of the day and like that makes everyone laugh and then I was just like those jokes are as old as such and such as pussy that's that was what I said okay so you know such and such being the girl we don't like why, why I guess why does that matter <laughs> well so then I woke up this morning with a like hangover a- and everybody stopped. No, like people laughed. No, people laughed, and my, you know, my wife was me- like, gave me a stern look face, and like, that's not funny. And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to make a joke. Like, I'm just trying to show everyone what a funny joke actually sounds like. That's what I yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are laughing, and like, it is funny, right? But it is, it is funny. Like, I'm smiling. It's but it's, the, a, it's a human thing, though. Like, where you know it's. So then I wake up this morning with toxic shame and I email my colleague being like, this isn't who I want to be. And like, and I was, should I call her? I'm like in this world. I mean, it's, I mean, listen, was there a hangover there that made me feel awful? Yes. It was a little bit of that feeling of like when you have a one night stand with someone in college and the next day you just like feel so awful about yourself. Not that there was any sexual thing there, but like this thing where I was like, I shouldn't have done that, you know? But you did it. But I, I did like, it. That's like that whole whatever, man. You, you said it. But it's on me. It's on guys like me and you who have independent, well-educated, badass wives who make money and run our homes and do all those things to not even say those things because it just perpetuates the the misogyny that exists in the world. But does it? Well, because, you know I don't what? Know. Like I was doing a catering gig with a buddy. Oh God! This past summer, maybe in July, wedding working with a bunch of people. I knew two other people, maybe three other people I was working with out of, like, 16. And this one girl cracked a joke about dicks that was hysterical. Like, everybody on the floor laughing hysterical. And it was one of those, oh, okay, well, I guess if one chick makes a dick joke, then somebody else could make a pussy joke, and it wouldn't be a big deal. Because why does it have to be a big deal? If it's all in good fun, and you're not doing it at the cost of anybody to a certain extent, then what's the, what's the difference? Because the school is like 28% women at a business school. There you aren't think enough... the one chick who's there is going to go back and tell everybody that you made a joke about something? No, it's not. That's the thing. It's not about me getting exposed as who I am. Everyone knows who I am. It's, it's, it, I, didn't want, I don't want her to go home from that party and feel uncomfortable because like, if we're inviting her to this dinner and she's the one woman in our program who's coming... She's just as smart as we are. She deserves to be there. And, like, it's not – I just don't think it's an okay environment. Like, I, it's – So then don't say it. I know. Well, that's the thing. And I told her in the email. I was like, I'm not writing this email for you to tell me it's okay so I can stop feeling bad. I'm writing it to tell you that I'm going to strive to never do that again. Yeah, there you go. And I know. <laughs> I mean, look, I do – but this is a – forget about the women-men thing. Do you ever – I mean, you're like me. Do you ever go cross the line at a dinner party where the next day you like realize that you embarrassed your wife or yourself and you worry about it or do you just not give a shit? Well, obviously you don't want to embarrass your significant other. Now, that's not to say I haven't drank too much at a party or done something, but it's all, it's all on a scale, right? You've seen other people do way crazier shit than that at a dinner party, right? Yeah, and it doesn't even. So in bother. the grand scheme of things, right? It doesn't. The answer to that is yes. Like I've been at a dinner party one time where, and I won't get into any detail, but somebody struck somebody else, and it was not man on man. Wow. 
okay? Was it a woman hitting a man, at least? Other way around, and that's all I'm going to say, okay? Yikes. wow. So on the scale of dinner parties, <laughs> like, I know what a nine and a half is. You know, ten would be like cops call or somebody gets stabbed or something like the shot, whatever. But, like, I've seen pretty, pretty high up on the scale. So when you look at things, you have to kind of put it in perspective of the whole the whole general thing. Like, did you get drunk and say something inappropriate? Sure. That's like a two. Well, she you, wrote back. You, you didn't pull your dick out. You know, I've seen that at a dinner party. You didn't I, pee on someone. I've done that at a dinner party. You I've know what pull, I'm saying? I, I've pulled so, my dick out at a dinner party. <laughs> there you go. You've done way worse. So to feel embarrassed about something that, in the grand scheme of things, is probably a two. Hold on. My um, turnips with bacon and red onions that are roasting, just the timer's going off. I'll be right oh, back. Oh, please go. Go. It'll two seconds. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I just, I think that especially i'm now exposed to a group of people who aren't my friends they're my you know i never use this word but they're my colleagues hey, they're your peers they're, they're not your colleagues they're my peers you don't get paid to work with them that's true colleagues are people you fucking you make money with that's a nice way of saying i make money with this person so or, or i or i work with this person like i'm a teacher in this organization and so are they just, professors use the word colleagues a lot i guess my i colleagues and i I think I didn't really like the way the two guys were acting, but then I acted like them. Yeah, so whatever. So yeah, all right. You don't. You just don't want to go there. You think it's fine. I think I think you should be okay with it, considering where where you were and who you are and what you actually said. You didn't. Yeah, but isn't there an element of like, oh, don't worry, like I'm not a racist, or don't worry, I'm not a misogynist, or don't worry, like I'm a good person? If but you... why does why does everything have to be so PC? Like I get it, I get why everybody's scared because otherwise you're gonna get sued or lose your job or whatever nowadays. Yeah, and that stuff and, too. Yeah, I, I it's... you can't even really have an opinion anymore because if your opinion disagrees with some minority group, then you're then you're a racist or you're a you know a Westboro Baptist Church person or whatever in their eyes. So. You know how you are. Your wife knows how you are. Your close friends know how you are. And you're not like a, a crazy media figure or something who was at some bar drunk doing lines, and you're fine. Yeah. All right. Well. I think you're fine. I know I you know do. I, I know you do, but you're a guy, and you think I'm funny, and it's and, – and I – I know you're funny. I, <laughs> I agree with you. Now, I will say that a little context to the situation – the reason everyone was going off the wall is because we basically were at, you know, comedy celibacy camp with each other for the two and a half months earlier where no one can say anything off color and then, you know, get a couple rolling rocks in people and eat, eat some homemade pizza and, you know, every other joke is about the Jews because there's an Israeli there or whatever. And I think that I love – that's the He's part – really telling most of the jokes. He was telling most of the jokes. So. Exactly. Right. That's what they do. And that's, you know, it's the same thing with black people using the N-word. And it's so weird, like, can you say it? Can you not say it? I don't know. I'll just not say it at the moment. But it, it, whatever. It is what it is. What you can't go running around doing is what those two, you know, what those eight dudes did in Paris last night. I guess we should get back to that. Right. You're, you're right. That's, it, that's what people can't be doing. And... I guess I've seen a couple interesting things today that I wanted to talk about. Uh, the first being, I've seen a lot of posts on Facebook. Uh, there was a cool uh, new app they have that tells you if your friends are safe. If your friends check in after the event or something happens and it marks them safe. It's pretty cool. Um, you definitely, I had, you know, half dozen friends that I was worried about and uh, all were checked in, so fine. So that's cool, Facebook. Thanks for doing that. Um, but it was people saying, like, don't pray for Paris. Send love, send, you know, send good vibes, do something, because praying just perpetuates religion and whatever. Do you, well, how do you feel about something like that? Because I think it's, 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 in, it's hard is in the right place. But you're, you're also talking to people who truly believe the shit that they're reading in these, these 2,000, 1,500, 1,400-year-old books that they believe so much that they're, they'll go do something like this. 
I, yeah. I, so I was thinking about this question that you're talking about in a different way before the podcast, but it's basically like, okay, we know everyone, let me go on a little bit of a, a side note and then come back around. Going for round two. <laughs> it's good. This stuff is... Dude, it just, it just gets easier and easier, too. It's one of those, you know, like this bottle I have has got to be 15 years old, maybe. The, the feeling of drinking something that doesn't taste manufactured because they know what your taste buds do is a really solid feeling to me. It's the same idea of eating a, a lesser-liked food. It's just there is a taste profile here that you do not get normally, and there you know that 95% of the people on Earth would say it's gross. Not only that, but we're not just saying it's not gross because we're hipsters and we're like trying to prove approve a point. Like this is an interesting experience drinking this this craft liquor that's been around yeah, well, for. Well, it's not really a craft liquor. The company's worth something like eight billion dollars. Well, this. I know, so. but I. <laughs> but look, passed from generation to generation in France, this time-honored recipe ensures maximum enjoyment of this precious liquid, Henri Bourdon Pastis. To unlock the secret of this mysterious spirit, pour an ounce and a half of pastis into a tall glass, then slowly add four ounces of cool, clear water. As the two mingle, a unique experience awaits you, the unparalleled, incomparable taste that is pastis. That's how we're doing it next. We're going to measure it for the second half of this uh, pod. Okay, so... You know you're going to have people who are like, they should have guns. You know there are going to be people who are like, we should pray for them. You know there are going to be people who are like, going to say that not only that we should um, get all the Muslims out of France, there are also going to be, be people who say like, we need more Muslims there and this is the culture that is Paris and we can't, you know, let's not make sure not to, we need to be ultra careful that we're not profiling now. I mean, it's just so, all of the points of view from Fox News to NPR are so repeated and rehearsed at this point so the thing no one is saying which i think goes to your question is how do we say to the weird lone wolf you know guy in the corner who feels ostracized by the group hey man get your act together get a job the world is a weird place. This is your lot. If you want to change it, you got to make it happen. But because it's the same, the kid who killed all those kindergartners in Connecticut, yeah. these guys, I know that yeah, there's, th- there's a mental illness aspect and that we, you know, that's the other point of view. These are mentally ill people or these are people who are starving or these are people who have been the sons and daughters of yeah, waterboarded people. Shit, it's, it's, it's all there, but we got to be able to call people out. And say this isn't okay. The way you're acting isn't okay, and not expect them to be, you know, run off to Syria and learn how to use an, a missile launcher. Yeah, but when you're when you're marginalized, when and I'm not I'm not making excuses for these people. I think this is you know goes to the root of why this happens to people. And I'm not an expert. I don't I don't just see this and you know studying it and listening to people give talks on it and. It's these people have nothing else to turn to, and not only that, but they don't have access to the stuff that we have access to. Like the internet isn't hanging out in everybody's hand. There, this is a lot of like desolate region stuff. You have refugees coming out of Syria in the millions. I mean, this is this is people who who only see a drone a mile in the air, and then an explosion happens somewhere. It's it's a scary scary thought because all these people see is is devastation and destruction and like shit getting fucked up i know and now that russia's stepping in it's not going to get any better i don't think but but at the but do we believe there is an ultimate right at the end of all of this is right, there what do you mean by right like a democratic government in no, Syria? no i just mean that as a human being is there a right way to act in any given situation yeah be a good person so this is clearly not that whatever wherever they're from whatever their situation is whatever the drone now you could say drone strikes aren't the right way to act and there'll be a lot of people in this country who agreed with you Yep. And a lot I, of people who disagree, though, so that's and that's what makes this country great. But still, and and it's a complicated situation of, you know, 
do we want the war here? Do we want the war there? I think a lot of people, even the ones who don't want drone strikes to happen, actually don't want war happening on the streets of the United States. So yeah, how it, far away are we from that? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I mean, that's another. Now we're really that, all over the place. I guess that leads me into my second question, kind of thought for the day, is like having an awareness that this is the new reality, even though it's been the reality for quite some time. I mean, so, I remember when I was studying in like 06, 07, 08 in Rome and having professors and kids from the Middle East in my classes and they would talk about experiences and things that were going on that had happened just years ago, months ago. And it's fucking crazy shit, dude. Like this shit happens all over and just doesn't get the news coverage. Like when you hear about a mosque bombing in Iraq and like 86 people die, there's not, you know, that's just people who died. That's not all the people who were injured and all the other casualties. Like it's, it's a crazy world out there, and just because of where we live and we don't see it in our news coverage, people don't actually realize that this is happening pretty much all over the world, not on a daily basis, but pretty much because, look, today, did you hear about the attack? I think it was in either Uganda or Kenya? No. Like 157 kids killed at a university. Like Al-Shabaab just rolled in and was like, fuck it, and just started killing people. But, yeah, I mean... Uh -huh. Like... This is a daily occurrence now in our world. But people have to stand up against it and do something about it. And that's the – it's not a daily occurrence in our world. That, but it's in, in – well, yeah, it is. It, it's a, we, live all, we all live on the planet Earth. Yeah, but you – no one's making mass shootings happening in Waitsfield, Vermont. Hell no. But they're happening in our world. I, and just okay, because it happens right. in Africa, well, what makes it less, less – uh, important than if it were to happen here well it's less important to my life because it doesn't affect me and i think that is actually not just a you know uh statement of of white privilege and american exceptionalism well, it's what you know because it's what you grew up in this it's time. a statement that that's the way we solve things is working in our own communities you can say to somebody when you're trying to cross the street uh, excuse me, you need to stop because I have a small child here and it's my turn to cross. That's your, that's like you being civically active. And so you asserting your rights as a civilian. Yeah, and we, and there are things, you know, I, I emailed my classmate this morning saying, I'm sorry, that's not how I want to act. I don't think anyone in ISIS is sending any, you know, I'm sorry emails the next morning after they like are doing like, beheadings and blowing up the you know ancient not writing any dear abby letters i just i just don't get how to access their problems because they're so different than mine i yeah. don't i don't understand their frame of reference i mean i don't understand the idea that i'm gonna go do something and at the end of it i'm gonna be dead no matter what but that i'm willing to do that thing i mean that is the crux who the suicide bombing thing that to me is the, is the way everything shifted when those guys on September 11th were saying we're willing to fly the plane into the buildings and die because we know that the aftermath is going to be great i don't know that my after I, I don't believe that i'm going to heaven or hell i believe that when i'm dead my i think i'm on heaven i'm in heaven right now i think this is my enlightened state i'm living on earth Wow. And I think the lights are off when I'm dead. I don't think there is an afterlife right now. Wow. I think that faith is an important thing. I think that community is an important thing. I think that a lot of the teachings of all religions are super positive for our existence. But I'm not waiting for something better than this. This is really good. I mean, I'm roasting turnips with bacon and red onions. Wow, good for you. That, that is good. That is amazing. And so I just don't get that. So once I don't get that, I, I can't really have a coffee with these guys. I don't really, I, I mean, where are they coming from? I don't, I don't know. I know, like I said, I went to school with a bunch of kids who were from the Middle East, and you'd hear stories, but none of them were radicalized, and none of them were uh, extremists by even the slightest nature. They were all fucking just, they're just kids like us, man. That's the thing. And that's what's scary, but you also have to think, like, if they're going to school in Europe, they probably come from a little bit of money, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's still, you don't, I, I guess we just have no understanding of, like, the desolation that some of these people come from. 
But it's who? Gotta be, if, it's, if they're willing to blow themselves up over it, it's got to be pretty fucking bad, dude. And somebody telling you that you're going to do this thing and then you're going to go off to a place and have 72 virgins and whatever the fuck it is, if, that's, if that is what they believe and if it is ISIS who is responsible, like, that could sound pretty a lot better than fucking, you know, I don't know, what's that scene in uh, Slumdog Millionaire where the kid's playing in the outhouse or whatever, like underneath it? Like, that'd be pretty fucking bad, right? Yeah. I, I don't know what to Because they're like, hey, you can get out of this and you can come fucking shoot a bunch of guns and play war. So what, you think That it's... might not sound too bad to like a 17-year-old or an 18-year-old who's got nothing and his parents are dead and everybody else has been bombing him for his entire life. Like, some of these people think about it. They are how old now? It's 2015. So the invasion was like 02, 03, 04, 05. So you're talking, some of these kids are like 11 now, 12 maybe old enough to pick up a gun for sure, and they could have seen everybody in their family blown up, and they're in an orphanage. And I bet those orphanages aren't fucking fun. They're not going to fucking Disney, uh, Disney, a, a, a bottom mat or whatever, you know what I mean? It's not funny. I'm all, I mean, it is funny. It's funny, and comedy is but what makes us... But this is what I'm saying. Like, we have no idea. Right, but Giles, here's the thing. If we're at war with these people, whose side are we on? And that's what I... We're on I, our side, we, which it, is... The and side I, of most of the people in the world. So why does it have to be our side? Why can't it be, like, the fucking human side? Well, the we can all say, like, hey, this is fucked up, and if you're going to continue to do fucked up things, then you're, you know what, we'll just give you this country, and you can do whatever the fuck you want over there, and you all just go there. And we'll never fuck with you, and we'll never do anything. And maybe that's the answer. I don't know, but, like, how do you then live with yourself because you've got all these human rights violations and whatever else going on? Yeah, but it's, so, I mean, it's, it's just... It's a Pandora's box. There's no answer. And, you know, some people are going to say, oh, just eradicate it. You can't eradicate it. You can't eradicate this sort of faith. Like, trying to eradicate only perpetuates it. Well, you know, the answer is doing what these people are doing, leaving Syria, somehow by hook or by crook, struggling. I mean, look at the people who escaped the Nazis. Like, people have escaped horrible things, yep. not just people in the Arab world, you know, so-and-so, like, horrible white people or horrible Zionists or whatever you want to call them. They've escaped way worse, like, killing conditions than the ones that a drone delivers. They've, you know, trains that deliver their bodies to gas chambers followed by ovens. Like, it's been worse than this. And I do think that what they need to do is move to Paris and go to the concert and have a beer and have a good time. That's lighten what they up. need to do. Maybe lighten up just a little bit because we're living in the fucking 21st century and you have all these contradictions. What is it like the most uh, the most porn is downloaded in Saudi Arabia or something like that shit per capita or whatever? So I, I just don't I, fuck I, up. I don't so that but I mean this get let's get let's go back a little bit because we're spinning into the black hole that never ends and and it's only cocktail hour. This isn't drunk hour. Yeah, well. Um, I think the cocktail hour thing to say is. Oh. <laughs> What's that? I totally just forgot. Oh, no, this is what I want to say. I don't want to half-ass this war anymore. I want to put it to the American people, to put it to the French people, to put it to the Germans, the British. To the people of the fucking world, because it's not our war. It has now become everyone's war. So let's Last fight London it. Let's, let's, not, let's not, let's not, let me just finish, because for the podcast, it never works when people are talking over each other. I've had this sure problem talking about the Patriots, and now, I've, I'm now having it with talking about ISIS. Let's fight the war. I'm ready. I'm willing. Let's let's you know. Let's figure it out. Let's take it to Congress. If you need to do the draft, if you want me to go into the military, like let's have the conversation at least. Because this like Obama doing drone strikes when nobody knows in the middle of the night, not having to tell anybody about it, only meeting with certain members of Congress, having secret meetings with the presidents. Like this is what they're doing, you guys. They're coming in. They're shooting up a concert, and we're bombing them. So that's a war. Wars have happened. Wars are sometimes just. Not, Wars are sometimes necessary. But you're but, not looking at the bigger picture, dude. What's the, what do you mean? The, the whole point of, like, you're talking about war, like boots on the ground. Like, let's send a bunch of troops in and try to occupy these places. No, 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 no. no. It's fucking I mean, impossible. Let's just at least have the, and I think the French are doing this now, let's have the discussion that we're in a war. I'm not saying boots on the ground. I'm not saying that's any... What, that's what a war is, man. And if you're going to talk about a war... We can't just fight it with drones. It's, it's impossible. And okay. It's, well. It's one of those, you need to just kind of. Then we need to be okay with this happening because this is what's going to happen. 
are not okay with it, but we need to not be surprised when it does. Can I can I can I say something to you about this that mm. I that I was told by a very very smart person um, who knows way more about this than we do. His name is Bjorn Thomason. He was a professor of mine in Rome. And we were in class one day, and somebody asked a question about like well, the hypocrisy hypocrisy of war and whatever. And he looked at the kid, and the kid's probably nineteen or twenty, and he was like. Dude, bombing for peace is like fucking for virginity. It is fucking impossible. If you're going to attack, they're going to attack. And it goes back to the oldest, oldest archetype in the history of the world, which is eye for an eye and all that shit. And so either you let, you, you let it play out somehow, and I don't know how you do it. I'm not saying I have the answer. But, but to keep attacking and doing things, just, it's not working. It hasn't worked in that region for going on, you know, you're talking about, if you want to go back to the great game and British and how Iraq and the Balfour Declaration and everything got split up and Israel's all of a sudden created by fucking the UN. It, it, we could just, we could talk about that for days. But the point being, it, it's a crazy fucked up situation and it's a crazy fucked up terrain and it's all tribal society and shit that's just not within the Western realm. We That's, don't get it. We'll never understand it. And to continue to try to fight it is just pointless. Well, fine. Then I want to protect the Western realm. I, I don't. I, I a big fucking wall around them. They wouldn't have a problem with it. I shit you not. What, around France? or around... Mm, Wherever they want it. Not in France, obviously. They're a fucking democracy. But I'm saying if there's countries in the Middle East that want to do their own thing and whatever, cool, man. Then become your little North Korea and stick like it. Because that's why nobody fucking cares about North Korea. Because they commit the world's greatest, probably, well, other than ISIS, like human rights atrocities. And we don't give a fuck. Dennis Rodman goes over. I'm serious. This is the world we live in right now. Like, Dennis Rodman is our greatest asset in terms of what it's like in North Korea and, and learning information. He hangs out with Kim Jong-un. Yeah. I, it's nice to be on this side and worried about, like, if the Patriots are going to cover the spread tomorrow. Yeah, but think about it. It's not like there's North Korean bombings happening any in the world. We let them do their thing, and they fucking chill out. They pretend they're going to do a bunch of shit. They blew up a mountain once. Good job. Way to go, guys. But it was in their own land. Yeah, I just, I, we can't, I, I mean, I agree with you. I agree with some of the things you're saying. I agree with the fact that we, we can't solve the world's problems. Exactly. But when Why they, when they do something like this, I think the one way that you can show a difference between our techniques and theirs is, I guess, for the most part, you have to qualify the statement. We are not going into a cafe in baghdad and waiting till everyone sits down and gets their tea and then like doing a 360 machine gun fire and then blowing ourselves up we well, are drone strike that fucking you know supposedly there was just some stat released that drone strikes the 90 percent of the casualties from drone strikes are civilians well what is the difference yeah but so what are you you're not you're you're you have to come out on you have to have some sort of solid ground to stand on. What's... That we don't need to be the fucking spearhead. That our involvement in everything just creates a perpetual state of involvement that costs trillions of dollars. There's another stat some fucking two weeks ago I saw that said if all the world's militaries just stopped activities for nine days, like everybody just was like, truce for nine days, that everybody in the world would have free college for the rest of their, like, forever. Yeah, it's just not. People have been fighting for so long. Fucking nuts, dude. And it's totally pointless because it, nothing gets solved. It just creates another generation of irrational people. Because like I said, all the people that I've met from all around the world, and trust me, I've met a shitload of fucking people from all around the world. And everybody who's traveling and everybody who's just like, you know what, we're here for a very short period of time. So like, let's all work together and have a great time and like enjoy ourselves and like not fuck with other people but do whatever we want. Everybody's cool. I guess it's probably because we get to have those experiences that everybody's like that, but there's a point where you just don't have the ability to have any happiness, and therefore you decide that you want to blow yourself up, I guess. And that's exactly what we witnessed yesterday and last night, and it's a fucking tragedy that there's people that are out there that are like that when we have all of this fucking money, trillions and trillions of dollars being made every day, and we can't keep people out of poverty, and we can't keep people from 
going into a concert and fucking shooting a bunch of people who are having a good time, like, that's totally fucked. And it's scary. Like, that's how far are we, are, are, away are we from that happening in America? And I guess my other last, like, comment and thought of, like, when I was studying this shit was that people said every day that goes by is just one day closer to another attack after 9-11 because you've awakened a fucking monster that will never go away because there's no actual physical target that you can ever completely eradicate. Right. Well, I, but that's the thing. We're in this war. We should expect it. And I think we need to be in this war, I guess is what I'm saying. No, well, we're in it regardless. Let's pretend that we, you know, just for the sake of, of argument, let's imagine that we took all our troops out of everywhere. Cool. And brought, you know, came home or, or even less than that. Let's just pretend we didn't. We took all of our shit home, dude, and put it around our, uh, our country. Have you ever played the game Risk? I know you have because you're a nerd. I, I've only played it to completion, like, twice. Okay, but you've played Risk, right? Yeah. Imagine if you had North America on lockdown and, like, Canada and Mexico were how they were, and you had, like, 5,000 armies in America. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what we have. And we could easily just bunker down and be like, you know what, you guys figure your fucking shit out. Border's closed. We're going to bring all our troops home and create a human wall on the border if we want to, which is crazy thought. I thought of that right now. I don't know why I even said it. But that's something you could do. And fucking, that's that. And we could just fucking dominate. Now, would eventually somebody come in and fill the void? Yes. And is that what we're afraid of? I think so. I don't know. I could be wrong. There's so many interconnected resource issues that you're completely overlooking. But we're like one of the world's largest oil producers. Who gives a shit now? Yeah, it goes way beyond that. It's, I mean, you you start You've got these guys creating desalination barges. Come on, let's do it. Now, we're a smart country. Yeah. Remember World War II? We were like, oh, we're in the middle of a war. Cool. Like 90 days later, they had more troops and firepower than all the other fucking countries combined. Like, let's go. The only question that remains is, do you have a Bernie Sanders stickers on both cars or just one? Neither. <laughs> all right, we got to dial it down here because this is so depressing. It's, but here's the thing. Paris is a fucking amazing city. And if, if you know, much like New York after 9-11... Paris will bounce back, and they're going to bounce back hard. The question is, do they bounce back like with that weird right-wing bullshit? And I hope they don't. I hope the Muslim community there like embraces everybody else and says, listen, this is not us, because every Muslim I've ever met in my entire life is a fucking amazing person. And I just, it's, it's a very weird, weird thing to be part of a group that, some of your group fucking goes out and does crazy shit. It's marginalized teenage men who are angry. It's there's something in the teenage male brain that is psychopathic, it's basically. Of, out of control. It's out of control and puberty. You can't fucking have sex. Right, and they're issues. You might have been raped as a younger boy because you're one of those Afghani kids. You exactly. Know, like, fucking so crazy, man. So the so French. Crazy. The French should just all have like a two-week have sex with whoever you want session, and that. Pr- just no, that's just what they do anyways. They're French, man. Their understanding of love and and everything is, you know, people always joke about it, but I think it's true, man. They're just on a on a bigger level. They've been through so much shit and so much like. Think about it. Paris has been occupied and unoccupied by armed forces. I don't know. Probably if you were to average out like the last let's say, a thousand years, probably every 50 years. Yeah. At least 20 times Paris has been fucking occupied and unoccupied. So think about it. There's a city who's like, fuck it, nobody's occupying us, let's party. I don't know. Oh, Europe man. has that thing about it, though. You've been to Europe. You've seen it. I've been to Europe, people. people work, they're at, like, unless you're in Germany, and God bless the Germans, I love them. They're great people. They're fucking funny, and they work hard, and they fucking play hard. They have the Autobahn. They're like, we get to race car drive to work, you know? You just uh, you just got most fucks on a podcast. You passed Mike O'Donnell, and that's a hard thing to do. No. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll tune it down. Sorry. No, it's okay. It's just, it, I mean, you're only representing yourself. It's the di- I know, but it's, it's one of It's the dinner party syndrome. That you don't even realize you're using. Even if I was listening to the podcast, I wouldn't hear him. <laughs> okay. What I want to do is add a little bit of water to my pastis right. to see what happens. 
And I want to, I don't want to necessarily change topics, but I think we do have to dial it down from like the global, global political bullshit. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not saying sorry. I just, I think it becomes something that it does have no solution and therefore I don't want to try to solve it. Yeah. It's a dog chasing its tail right now. And until some major change happens, nothing's going to be different. So right back. I'll be right back. It's a tragic situation. Way, way too many people killed. Those turnips are sweet and delicious. Cool, man. Turnips are good when you roast them. Have you ever roasted parsnips? Yeah, par- they're so good. Oh, dude, parsnips, they taste like honey and... Oh, they're so fucking good. So what what's happening? Like, tell I haven't talked to you for a while. What year is this going to be at the hostel? Five? We're in no, we're in year seven, man. Unbelievable. It's crazy. It's crazy. So do because I'm finally on SoundCloud and me, I had 41 people listen to the podcast last week, and almost 20 have listened since I put the new one up on Thursday. So I'm I'm optimistic. Just give a little brief rocket pitch on the hostel and where you're at now. No, but I just mean like, you know, how you started it, how it grew, where it is now, what the Oh, we're going to go back to day one. We moved here from Rome in May of 2009. Old Vermont farmhouse. Yes, you know, with a restaurant inside of it, and we converted the upstairs to beds, and we've got, I don't even know, the the range of beds is somewhere between 20 and 32. I'll just go with that, because we take over rooms and do whatever we need to do. Um... You got to put the shower curtain inside the shower. Yeah, fucking keep the shower curtain inside the curtain. Because if you want to go back and hear a great story, you can go back to one of the landline podcasts where we talk about shower curtains. Uh, and so you're going into year seven, and you I saw that you are going to serve a little bit of food this year, which I love. There can't stop, man. I swear to God. It's one of those, I fucking, uh, there's the word again. I, if I never had to deal with like the restaurant issue, I, I wouldn't. And only because it's, Somebody said it today, and what fucking podcast was it on? I think it was Adam Carolla, and they were talking about how you spend, oh, it's this smart guy who did five-hour energy, was saying that he doesn't let anybody who's an aggravator into his company or into his business of any sort, because he's like, those people are 1% of your business, but they take up 80% of your time. And I feel like that describes the restaurant industry better than anything. And now with all these intolerances and allergies and whatever, it's just like, shit. So, anyway, yes, my wife's going to serve food. People are fucking stoked. I've been getting emails from people that are like, wait, Sarah's serving food again? What's the menu going to be? And she's going to post it online, hosteltevere.com. That's H-O-S-T-E-L-T-E-V-E-R-E.com. And it's good food. My wife can cook. She comes from a culinary family. And then you come in and you have some great craft beer. We got a bunch of lost and stuff coming up. There's there's just so much good beer and good food, and the winter's going to be good. And you hope there's lots of snow, and you just kind of go. It. It's one of those we've learned after seven, well, six and a half years now. You just you have no idea what's going to happen. The snow could melt March 19th and be gone, be 83, and it could snow continuously and not warm up like it did last year. And every day was better in the woods than the day before. Fucking, so it's a crapshoot. It's a seasonal business that's also weather dependent. It's like how how difficult can you get? But we love it. We have great music coming in. We've got Solomon coming in on January eighth. We've got Michelle Sarah band a couple times. Check out the website. Everything will be up in the next couple of weeks. It's gonna be. We, you dialed it in. After six years, you're just kind of. I don't want to say you're on cruise control, but the hostel-wise, it's on cruise control. The bar and the restaurant always keeps evolving, and we always keep changing, and there might be some big changes for next year. We're talking about mixing some things up, but we'll see. And all is well. And you're making money, obviously. We're living. We're living. We went to Europe for five weeks for a friend's wedding in London and kind of spread it out and did a week in Barcelona and some time up in northern England and some friends and time in London and time in Germany and time in Rome, and it was killer. He had a blast. He learned how to walk in Germany. Did I tell you this story? No. So we're in Freiburg, Germany, and he's kind of been, like, standing on his own, and he'll take, like, two or three steps, and then he just lunges forward, kind of like a jump. This is back in May. I'll send you a video at some point. 
And uh, I won't watch it. Yeah, no. We're in Germany, and we're at our friend's house at his apartment, and Finn just kind of saw Germans walking and got inspired by their efficiency and was like, I must walk, and just started walking. It was crazy. Amazing. It was great. It was one of those, like, fatherly, I got to watch my kid actually walk. And uh, he wasn't an ambi-turner at first. He just turned left. It was kind of funny. <laughs> just kind of went like a, a whole U-turn, basically. Walked away from me and kind of made his way back, all going left at the same time. And do you think that having the child there brings a nice warmth and congeniality to the business in a way that didn't have it before? Not that you had a kid in order to, like... Well, I mean, we had Cleo. She's a French bulldog. People fucking love her. Uh, and Chez, when Chez wasn't all old and ornery, people loved him. He's got, like, a cult following. Oh. Yeah, he's great. So... I don't know, man. We've just had a great experience. There's just great people who come through our door. It's one of those facilities and, and lodging services that you have to know what you're getting yourself into. Like, you're sharing a room with other people. There's a dude who could snore. You know, it is it is what it is. But everybody seems to be cool with it, and everybody seems to have a great a great experience. So, When's opening day? Excuse me, December 2nd. Wow, soon. Yep, yep. Doing doing tons of projects around the house right now and getting things, you know, cleaned up and paint, paint put back on stuff. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a race in, uh, in November, but it's fun. And do you have the, like, are people booked to come in the first weekend? Yeah. I just got an email from a buddy, uh, well, a, a customer who's become a friend who's probably visited us, I don't know, 10 times. And he's like, Hey, there's 15 of us coming December 4th and 5th. So we'll see you that Friday. I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> And what are you charging per night? Uh, it's $40 per night in the winter on, uh, I think it's Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays, and 38 the other days, or it could be 40 every day. I don't know if we've fin- finished the, uh, the final pricing yet. Thanks for putting me on the spot. No, it's good. And is the food included, or that's an extra 20 bucks? No, food, it'll be dependent. Sarah's thinking about doing kind of an all a la carte thing, so she's going to do three or four things a night, but it's mainly going to be like one entree, two sides, and then either a salad or a dessert, or maybe there'll always be like her crazy Momofuku milk bar, chocolate chip cookies, or whatever the shit that is. So good. <laughs> so good, dude. And how it is, so for those of you listening, I lived in the town in Warren, Vermont for a year. My wife was going to a woodworking school there, famous one called Yes Tomorrow, if you are a uh, yeah, yeah. You know, carpent- carpenter aficionado, if you're an aspiring female carpenter it's the place for you what's that how's your pernod <laughs> it's good i'm still on my first inch and a half i just put water in it there you go it tastes great it makes your body warm excellent how's yours it's fantastic pernod is amazing um but it makes you happy man i hadn't like honestly i hadn't drank all day before we started talking me neither i've had like two i don't know two one you know ounce and a half servings and fucking got a smile on my face man so we knew each other because i was in town for a year had random jobs worked at a organic farm down the road beautiful piece of vermont very dark in the winter until the snow comes because it's Correct. it's basically in a hole and um, near sugarbush ski area yep. and i made some pizzas there monday night we had monday night pizza night and it was it was fun it's an amazing place everyone should go look at it is a little bit of a slice of europe in Vermont, and in a place in Vermont that kind of has a ghost town feel to it on a weekday, it's like you could see why it was successful in 1986, but super now you realize why it wasn't. Yep, super uh, weekend heavy and super winter heavy. But, so how's the food from down the street where I worked? Is it still going strong? Which place is that? Just Kingsbury Market Garden. Like, how's Aaron's food tasting? Aaron's doing a bunch of stuff. The produce is amazing. We have a like a basically certified organic farm that's I shit you not, a quarter mile from our front door. Um, they started about a year after us, maybe two. And uh, he just he just does it right. They got no blight on the tomatoes this year. The tomatoes were amazing. Uh, the the produce is just unbelievable. He's got pigs now. Wow! I took Finn over to see the pigs. They've got one big mama pig that's got to be 800 pounds. I mean, this thing is a beast. It's like buffalo size. It's a beast. Maybe not buffalo size because buffalo are huge, but it's big. 
and uh, yeah, they were doing this thing called uh, Domingo, which was kind of uh, like a community get together. They were doing a little barbecue, had some beer on draft, selling stuff. I got somebody calling me. It's my wife. Um, we're and, uh, we're done in two minutes. We're yeah, no, this cool. is perfect. And uh, no, they they seem to be doing well. You know, he he got hit pretty hard during Irene, and uh, he seemed to bounce back and. and get all the, the, the loans and stuff paid off and, and make some money. So I'm happy for him. He's, he's a, a very great, good great farmer. Player. He's yeah, like, they're, they're, and they're great people. It's basically the world's biggest gardener. Like he has the world's biggest garden. He just, it's crazy. It's like, a, it could be in his front yard, but it's a huge farm. So yeah. And he bought the house that's on the land. So he just lives there now. Yep. Yep. They're renovating and doing crazy shit, which is awesome. How fun. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this is a success, Giles. We had a couple cocktails delicious we chatted po- global politics and reached yeah no i and i hope that if anybody's listening that they don't get the wrong idea that this is all a discussion like this is all there's no right answer and that's the, that's the problem like because if there was a right answer then we wouldn't be having this discussion but the wrong answer is shooting 80 it's people in a killing concert people. it's not don't kill people that's not the right answer no it'll and, never be the right answer and that's i guess that's you know, if I had to sum it up, like that's the whole point, man. And we There's need a to better call- way than killing people. We got to call these people out for what they're doing, and not in a way where we shove them in a corner and make a corner full of guns, where they just get angry for five years and then come back and blow us up. Yep. But there's got to be a way to call these people out that says this is not okay. This is not how you act in society. You're not gonna do this and convince them. I honestly think. Convincing people that this isn't okay is the key to solving it. I mean, yeah. there's, but it's who knows. So, the pastis was delicious, dude. I'm I'm glad uh, I'm glad I was able to open your eyes to another digestif that'll that'll definitely you'll pull it out at dinner parties now. You'll be like, hey, does anybody want a little Henry Henry Henri Baudouin or whatever however you say it? Yeah, Henri Baudouin. And there I think go. the plan is. If we do this once in a while, or, you know, we'll figure out how often we do this, and maybe you have to pick a night once the business opens where you're, what nights don't you bartend? Uh, we're, we're talking about me not bartending Wednesdays and maybe Sundays, but I'm probably going to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Because we could do a Wednesday night cocktails, because you can't drink before you bartend, or at least not as Correct. far as That's we all know. The law. That, that would be, uh, that would be looked down upon. So, anyways, I would love to build my bar through this podcast. So, That'd be a cool thing to do, man. Right, and then and that's a whole another aspect. I will buy a different bottle every week, if or every other week, whatever. How, every podcast. Oh man, we could go through so much fun shit. I could send you. Oh man, I could. That's what I'm saying. Or I'll come up and stay and bring bring home like a a half no, case. No, but I'm of, talking about all the crazy shit that you can get from your friends around the world. Like you go to fucking Austria and you can get Losa, which is like. Croatian tequila. It's fucking nuts, dude. This shit is so much fun. Like, oh, God, I could go into some great Losa stories. So, uh, we could do. We could go anywhere with it. It'd be great. Well, thanks for doing this with me. It was fucking great to talk to you. Thank so, you for uh, thank you for making this happen. Thank you for making this happen. It's, it'll be up on SoundCloud tomorrow afternoon with Send a feat. With a theme song, with possibly some voiceover, professional voiceover. So stay, right, send me a link. Stay tuned, fans. Stay tuned. All right. All right. Have a great night. Don't get too drunk in front of your wife. Dude, it's all good. All right. Talk to you later. Hi, right, brother. Bye.